I, uh, I competed in Olympic Games and uh, after that I was approached by Red Bull. I did always know that I want to uh, be an entrepreneur, had a product that, that we felt is, is different and unique. Uh, it didn't really uh, work as well as we hoped. So we continued looking for unique products and uh, then uh, Dish Pizza uh, showed up. As soon as we started, it, it started growing very, very quickly. Hospitality for me, it just felt that it's, it's, it's a very big industry. There are still gaps, which if you feel, you, you could have a very good results. I never mind uh, asking people for advice and uh, sure. I know that I'm not the, the best person in the world to do this job and uh, I just need to, to be the best version that I can be. Have your goals clear, work hard towards them. If you can improve, improve. If it doesn't work, it doesn't work, but never uh, give up easily. Our eating habits are changing. We're demanding better dining experiences and the food market has never been so competitive. Starting and succeeding with a food business is challenging, but some determined and passionate entrepreneurs are flourishing. These people have big dreams, big passion and big drive. They are disruptors change makers and innovators. They see a positive future. Many say that food business is too risky. Some say that it has huge rewards. Are you up for the challenge? In today's episode, I sat down with Alex Alexic from Japes uh, Deep Pizza concept in central London. Alex is a former athlete and actually competed in the London 2012 Olympics. And it's really interesting that throughout this conversation, that positive uh, sporting mindset of learning from your failures and constantly iterating uh, to really achieve your vision and that competitive spirit is so clear in Alex's approach. It's really interesting also that analytical side of him and analyzing data from the market in terms of consumer reaction, um, benchmarks in the market in terms of competitor restaurants. And just again, that constant iteration uh, of the concept. He's done really, really well with Jape so far and he's putting the building blocks in place of the foundations of something that really can grow in a mass market space. Uh, really interesting conversation, sit back, Enjoy Alex Alexic. So first off, just say congratulations, Alex. Thank you. It's exciting times to you. Recently <laughs> married. Yes. So yes, not only great. business partner, but life partner. Yes. Thank you. So I'm sure it was a nice kind of um, uh, exit out of COVID to an extent. Yeah. Nice it, experience. Yeah, yeah. It, it was. It really was. I mean, uh, when when situation is like this in the world, then you need to appreciate those things that it, in this case, they were not really small. I mean, wedding is a very big thing, but yeah. everything that you can appreciate is always welcome. Yeah. And especially uh, for us, we were able to organize everything without any later problems. There were no cases or anything. I mean, the wedding wasn't too big. It was 50 people, sure. uh, obviously because of COVID, yeah. but it was it was beautiful for very me. I'm, I'm very happy. Thank, thank you. Thank you for starting with this. <laughs> no worries. No worries. Great. So let's go while we're on that topic. You, you met Giovanna when she was working at Red Bull. You were an athlete sponsored by Red Bull. 
Um, tell us about um, that kind of um, time, I guess, in your lives and what you were doing and yeah. Um, yeah. yeah so we are, we are both from Serbia originally. So we came to the UK about five years ago. Um, that's correct. I was a Red Bulls athlete. Uh, I trained kayak on, uh, on still water. Um, so I, uh, I, I did have some very good results, to be honest. Uh, I, uh, I competed in Olympic Games and uh, after that I was approached by Red Bull. Um, Joanna, who is my wife now, she was in Red Bull's marketing department. So we didn't uh, meet at that exact moment when I was approached. But yeah, I mean, Red Bull is a great company, very well organized. So uh, I quickly met uh, the team. Also, team in Serbia is not very big. But yeah, I mean, we we didn't start our relationship immediately, but we found that we have many things in common. And uh, as we were meeting each other more and more, we saw that, uh, I mean, some emotions started developing, yeah. obviously. <laughs> um, but yeah, uh, we we always felt the uh, ambition to succeed, succeed in life. And as uh, someone who, at least in sports, always had the equal playing field, regardless of the country where you are, you had the same start, you had the same finish. Mm. I, uh, I didn't really like the fact that my country of origin is, uh, is less uh, developed and giving me fewer opportunities. I'm not saying there was anything bad. I, I liked my life in Serbia. It's just I felt that if I give everything I have in a, in a better market, I could get better results. And uh, yeah, we started thinking about alternatives. Uh, I came here to London, to London Business School uh, for a master's in management. And yeah. uh, after that, London Business School basically sponsored uh, my visa, okay. helped Giovanna come here as well. And uh, we, we started Drapes. Okay, so were you at that stage thinking about business? Like even when you were an athlete, you were thinking about launching your own venture? Uh, to be fair, yes. Uh, not not really. I mean, not necessarily a restaurant itself yeah. or food business in general. Uh, but I did I did always know that I want to uh, be entrepreneur and that I want to uh, create a company. I was inspired by my father, who who was quite successful, and he's one of the reasons uh, why why I had funds to come to the UK in the first place. So uh, I, I did know that it's a uh, it's right right way for me. So. Uh, I just wasn't sure what, what exactly am I going to do. I like IT as well, uh, but yeah, we, we, we ultimately decided to start this. And so far we are quite happy. Okay, and you mentioned your father being in business and obviously supporting you financially, which is yes. a great boost. But do you think you also got a mindset or an approach from him as well? Yeah, absolutely, okay. absolutely. Okay. I mean, uh, even even as a, as a child when I didn't really understand the finances, uh, I mean, when you are six or seven years old, you don't really know how much something costs or you don't care. Uh, but yeah, I mean, just seeing someone who is uh, creating uh, new employment and uh, when people meet him on the street and everything, we, are, we lived in a smaller, small community. Yeah. So, uh, you know, it, it's not, not necessarily the, the, the money. It's, uh, it's more about how I feel and uh, creating a better future. Sure. Makes sense. And certainly from my experience working with athletes and people in that sports arena in general, they always seem to have such a positive mindset. And also the competitiveness, I think, also helps in business and the determination, just persistence yeah. to achieve a goal almost. Yeah. Do you feel that and you feel it's kind of helped your business now? Yeah, absolutely. I, I feel that um, as an athlete, you basically learn uh, that you need to improve yourself all the time. 
and uh, you also need uh, to appreciate the feedback because feedback is what mm. helps you grow and uh, that's um, uh, among other reasons why I like working with you because you have more experience you can give me good advice and I appreciate all the opportunities where I can improve and definitely having a, a sports background uh, you very quickly see that if you don't uh, listen to your coach you get worse results in race yeah. so it's it's very it's very clear and uh, it teaches you a lot of things mm. business can be a bit different people spend a lot of time looking for excuses mm. there are some people who spend years uh, doing the wrong things and never accepting that they're doing the wrong things whereas I believe that at least for me, when, when I see something not working, I never have a problem to say, well, we failed, uh, this didn't work, but let's see which part of it maybe have uh, potential for future and let's focus on that. Exactly. So don't lose your time. I sure. mean, you, 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 need to, you need to do the right things and you cannot be stubborn and you need to leave your ego behind. Sure. And you're just maintaining that focus on the end goal essentially as well. Yeah, absolutely. So, so I mean, failure yeah. is kind of part of the process yeah. as long as you're going towards that yeah. goal. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I believe in both short-term goals and long-term goals. So uh, yeah. both of them have pros and cons, obviously. Long-term goals can seem like you're never going to achieve it, that they're too far. Yeah. Whereas short-term goals, uh, you know, it's, uh, it, they might not be as motivating as the long-term goals. But at the end of the day, it's all a part of process and uh, taking it day by day. Sure, makes sense. And I know, I guess it was in and around when you were an athlete and just after, you worked in a few different other roles. So was it consulting and a few different things? Yes. And the pharmaceutical distribution yeah. industry? Yeah, I mean, yeah. I, uh, basically I worked at KPMG in Serbia yeah. and uh, we, I, I was part of advisory department. Yeah. So yeah, I mean, I was, I was involved in some projects that did have uh, those, uh, uh, the things that you mentioned for pharmaceutical industries. We also had some other consultancies. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, I, I did have some uh, some knowledge of other industries based okay. on my experience from KPMG. Okay. And what was your uh, reason for, I know you changed a few different jobs. Yeah. Was it to kind of just learn about employment or different industries? Because you, I know you wanted to have your yeah. own venture. So why not yeah. start something straight away? Why get that experience? Yeah, I, yeah. I mean, th that's a great question. Um, I, to be fair, it's, it's more about maybe uh, trying to reduce risk later in a sense that if you go through consulting industry, you can learn some things while not losing your own money. Um, yeah. But then I also realized that it's not too applicable in a sense that there it's, you're just working on a completely different scale compared to a startup. And uh, if, if I take example of someone who is very, really successful in pizza industry, if I take example of Domino's, they're doing amazing things, but many of those things are hard to copy on, on a single unit. Yeah. Uh, obviously, you cannot have a central kitchen if you have one unit, if you're starting. Yeah. And uh, supply chain is different, everything is different. So I quickly realized that it might not be as rewarding as I was hoping, in a sense that, yes, I learn a lot, but I can't really uh, take that uh, when I start. Um, yeah. So I had my reasons and uh, I, I feel that I, I left in the right time. Okay. I didn't, I, let's say I didn't spend too much time there. Okay, makes sense. And then when you left, did you have japes and that vision for the concept clearly in mind or was it leave to then develop the concept or yeah. how does that work? So, so I left before coming to London Business School and yep. uh, JAPES uh, basically came up as an idea during my studies here. Okay. Uh, so I, I can't really say that 
at the moment of leaving I already had a clear plan it was more I'm leaving because I'm going to university to to, master, to study for a master's degree yeah. and then we will see what happens <coughs> and uh, JAPES it came uh, more as an opportunity uh, something that we saw is not uh, not current, currently present in UK uh, restaurants uh, industry and uh, we didn't originally start uh, exactly as it is now, uh, but we also had a product that, that we felt is, is different and, in, and unique. Uh, it didn't really uh, work as well as we hoped. So we continued looking for unique products and uh, then uh, Divdish Pizza uh, okay. showed up. What was the product that didn't quite work? Uh, we tried uh, with uh, high quality waffles and pancakes. Yeah. Uh, so th it, it was <coughs> the type of product where you would have uh, truffles on, on pancakes or where you would have a steak or something like that so it, it works in in other in other countries it, it wasn't like we were the first one to invent it in the world uh, there are other uh, waffle and pancake restaurants obviously in in, in london and in uk there yeah. is my old dutch uh, there is creams cafe caspas and others which which are doing good good job uh, but we, we were different than them we were more uh, on on a, on a high level of ingredients and generally uh, higher price range uh, okay. but yeah it didn't work as we hoped so we then uh, di we didn't spend too much time there uh, as okay. I mentioned we, we we took we left our ego at home and okay. said we need to find something new okay and did you launch a site for that or was it testing kind of at a lower level yeah so we 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 went all in uh, okay. which was quite stressful yeah. uh, I wouldn't recommend it now looking back then uh, back to how it all all went um, because although it, it worked quite well and I'm very happy now I still feel that uh, I I'm sometimes thinking about how difficult the start was and yeah. how big expenses were and it might influence my future decisions mm. so although I'm trying obviously to to leave everything uh, behind and uh, to look uh, only for what's currently happening and uh, how we can grow uh, you can never completely uh, get get rid of your past experiences sure so I, I feel that it ended up well I don't know what would be alternative I mean we'll never know if there was a better way or not it, sure. it, it just happened this way uh, but yeah I, I would probably recommend uh, starting on a, on a lower uh, investment than what sure. we started sure. with but I guess you pivoted quite quickly yeah. so you learned and you like you said at the beginning you, you took the failings you learned from it and then you yeah. changed and then you moved on from that point yes and I guess it was kind of after seeing that it didn't work in a smaller market so it was quite a niche product obviously yeah then you went the opposite almost and you went yeah. mass market with pizza yeah is that how it, how it worked yeah, yeah. It, it is uh, basically that's the essence of it uh, yeah. we didn't transition on, on one day completely let's say 100 percent of product offering my my thinking was okay i i believe that we have a good product uh, with waffles and pancakes it's just that it's too new for the market and people they don't understand why why uh, you would put truffles on uh, on on savory pancakes so i was thinking for reasons how can we uh, bring groups inside and how can we give uh, more uh, more reasons to come into the restaurant and then i was thinking okay if we introduce pizza then let's say a group of eight people will come inside one or two of them will, will order maybe waffle or pancake and then other six people will see how it looks and sure. try it and they will come back. So that was my original thought. Uh, yeah. But then obviously I didn't really want to, to start one, one more pizza, pizza restaurant. I feel that there are already 
a lot of very good ones yep. in the UK market. Uh, we are quite close to Pizza Pilgrims, uh, to Franco Manca and others that are doing a very good job. Yep. So it was like, okay, let's try to find different type of pizza. Uh, we found deep dish and uh, as soon as we, obviously we approached it very professionally. We spent, we spent some time uh, perfect, perfecting the recipes and, uh, and, and working on it before we launched. But when we did, uh, people immediately started speaking about it. Uh, we were aware that there, there was some uh, internet, uh, like there were questions asked, why is there no deep dish in London or something, but we were not really thinking that it's that, that big. But as soon as we started, it, it started growing very, very quickly. And okay. uh, we ended up not having enough space to make waffles and pancakes okay. anymore. <laughs> we had to buy b bigger ovens. Okay. Very good. For pizza. Um, and why did you choose hospitality in the first place? Or were you looking at other sectors to launch a business or was that always going to be hospitality? Well, I mean, I, I, I was thinking about other industries as well, to be okay. fair, uh, especially as someone who is coming from a less developed country, you always have uh, opportunities to import goods at a lower price, especially those that, that take a lot of labor. So for example, our interior, when we opened the restaurant, it was uh, maybe one quarter of a price what we would pay in the UK. Um, so there, there were other options, uh, but hospitality for me, it, it felt, uh, it just felt that it's, it's, it's a very big industry where uh, for, there are still gaps, which if you feel you, you could have a very good results and if you do things properly. So I, I felt that there are still too many restaurants where, where people just don't care enough and uh, that's why you are creating opportunities to grow for successful businesses, some, some of which I mentioned already. So I hope that we can be one of those successful businesses as well. Um, I, uh, also while I was studying at London Business School I saw that 90% of my friends were thinking about uh, banking industry or consulting. So I just, I just felt that uh, if, if everyone is going in that direction, maybe there are, there are other opportunities. opportunities. Yeah, exactly. Okay. I'm, I'm not saying that this, this business is easy. It's obviously not. Yeah. But that being said, I don't really think any business is easy. Just like all sports are quite tough. Yeah. Um, so so, so I, I never really put into perspective, is this easier or harder than, than something else? I, I just felt that, that maybe if we are unique and if we do things well, that we can succeed. Okay. And uh, that was the reasoning. Okay, makes sense. So then tell us about the development of the concept. You mentioned obviously researching the market and yeah. the competitors there and finding something different. Yeah. But how then did you put flesh to the bones and start developing the recipes for the pizzas and so yeah. on? Well, I mean, we, we worked with professional chefs. Okay. That, that's one part of it uh, for, uh, for, the, for the ingredients that are, let's say, more common. For example, tomato sauce. Mm -hmm. um, Obviously, I personally uh, didn't have uh, much experience uh, in this industry. I did work in, in a restaurant kitchen for, uh, for a few months just to see how it all works before we launched the Japes. But that, that was not really um, a high level job or anything. I really wanted to see how it works behind the scenes. Yeah. So uh, I, 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 just like in sports, I, I realized that I need a strong team. So uh, speaking about those more, more common products, we, we hired professional chefs. And then for uh, deep dish pizza, we also had some help from uh, people from Red Bull. 
just because deep dish pizza generally takes a lot of time to bake. Uh, that's, I believe, the main reason why it didn't, uh, uh, why it doesn't have a bigger influence in the world. It's just very slow. So overall, it takes in Chicago. If you go to to famous pizza places, it will take 35-40 minutes to uh, to prepare, whereas we can make it in seven minutes. So uh, in order to achieve that, we we, we also had uh, experience. Uh, we also spoke with some people who have like food products uh, experience and who could help us create better products. Okay. Uh, not necessarily chefs. Okay. And uh, that so Red Bull input was that like on the F one side? <laughs> to get the speed or how did no, that work? No. What did I do exactly? Well, I mean, okay, so it works like this. I went to Austria to their uh, headquarters, to their, uh, it's called training center. Um, okay. And uh, basically when, uh, there are multiple versions of contracts with Red Bull. There is like national level, uh, which uh, for which you don't need to go to Austria. And then there is international athlete, which uh, I was... Um, I was aiming for and what I got at the end but for that you need to go to Austria and you need to speak with their psychologists and uh, with their uh, people from from their team and you also get access to best in in the world machinery and sensors and everything so so they scan your body they tell you what are your weak points it's it's very very smart obviously mm. so when I was in Austria uh, Red Bull just feels like a community and it's uh, it's very nice so I met a lot of people and some of them were uh, from their food side of the business obviously you have marketing you have uh, what, whatever uh, supply chain uh, but yeah so I met some people from uh, from that part and uh, yeah I mean they were willing to help it's not like they, they had any any issues with, with it just okay. telling me I mean probably someone from other larger companies could do the same okay. uh, someone who has experience with, with, okay. with food and that but this level. was mainly because of your previous relationship with yeah, yeah absolutely yeah. I mean sure. I, I met them through through the Red Bull and Yovana yeah. obviously as yeah. well yeah yeah Okay. And what I mean, did there, they do? There are, sorry to interrupt. Yeah, there, there, there are other people from Red Bull who also started some other food businesses and had support. So we are not the only ones. Okay, very good. And what did they do? I don't mean specifically to give away your yeah. trade secrets, <laughs> but what generally were they working on to, to yeah. enhance? Uh, I mean, okay, so without going into too many specifics, uh, basically, my understanding is if you create more uh, space within uh, like the molecules or, or, or particles in, in any, any uh, material, yeah. then the heat can go through it. Basically, you are creating uh -huh. micro gaps that allow heat to go through. So, uh, yeah, I, I believe our dough just have a bit more gaps than it would usually have and it can transfer uh, heat energy quicker throughout okay. itself. Yeah. Okay, fantastic. And again, it's kind of feeding throughout this conversation, I think. It's almost yeah. seeing problems or issues or failures and yeah. finding a solution for it and continuing to kind of progress. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Okay. And I know we spoke previously about the operational efficiencies and in particular the kitchen, not yeah. only in the product itself, but yeah. just general operations and people and so on. Yeah. Was that a big focus from the beginning or something you learned as you went along? Um, well, a bit of both. Okay. Um, in a sense, obviously, for every business to succeed and to, if, if by succeeding we, we uh, mean being sustainable and being sustainable means having profits so, mm. so you, can, you can continue uh, working. Basically, you have two sides, it's revenues and costs. And uh, many people focus on revenues uh, but forget about costs. And uh, that, that's a big trap. Mm. Um, so uh, yeah, I mean, we we did uh, we did come into the industry knowing that obviously we we will need to to think about costs a lot. Um, 
but that being said it's not like we we started on a day one and we had it all figured out um i was i was inspired by some other uh, restaurant places and restaurant chains who were able to to organize their menu offering uh so they can uh, achieve huge effectiveness effectiveness and efficiencies yeah uh, i mean many come to mind like for example five guys or or even on uh, on the lo- local level for example flat iron and they're offering mm. of only more or less one one type of uh meal yeah. uh, sometimes they have some some other offerings but you know if you have only one type of meal and if two of us come inside you you more or less know that we are going to offer to order two steaks right yeah. so so you can start preparing everything in advance and you can you 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 can optimize everything so with all that in mind we we did uh, start experiments uh, apart of uh, from pizza but we always kept in focus okay is it going to take us too much time to do this and are we going to lose our focus so we did try having pasta for example in our mm-hmm. menu but we just felt uh, that it's not really it's not really contributing a lot to revenues and you need to have complete different section in kitchen and everything mm-hmm. um so overall we are just looking in always into that perspective of okay is is this going to be scalable is it going to be effective and yes at the moment we can achieve very good results on uh, on saturdays we can uh, host more than 500 people with wow. uh, four four employees in kitchen and one kitchen porter so wow. basically that's it, phenomenal it, it is very and compared it is to very industry good. standards that's like yeah, amazing it, yeah it is yeah. i mean i'm i'm very happy of mm. what we achieved sure Okay, so there's obviously that operational efficiency, scalability, yeah. simplicity side of it. Yes. I guess then you're also looking at the market in terms of will this sell? Yeah. So there's one thing getting things that are quick yeah. to to kind of operate and produce. Yeah. But were you then benchmarking against let's say Franco Manca or yeah. other pizza operators? Yeah. Or how, how did that chef and menu development process happen? Yeah. Well, I mean, obviously you 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 cannot really know until uh, until you try expanding more. So at this moment I I would be foolish to say, well, we sold the market and uh, and we know that we can open I don't know 100 Japs restaurants in the UK or 400 like Nando's has. Obviously yep. that you cannot know that. Uh what what generally happens and what I do like about uh the feedback that we get is that many people put us in a, directly in a pizza category so they don't really say well you, you are a great deep dish pizza people say you are great pizza or mm. i didn't like your pizza on the other hand but mm. in general they say pizza they don't say deep dish pizza so yeah. which is very important you know, i, I cat- believe it is, is i believe it element. is because yeah exactly it, as you pointed out uh, if that's true and mm. it's still to be proven but i'm hoping it's true then we are basically part of pizza category and not a niche product yes. so uh you know for as long as we have one restaurant uh i can hope it's true we we have uh, hopes uh, uh, of expansion and we are working on it yeah. so uh, i guess we will find out but definitely so far feedback is more that people just see us as a pizza it's uh, not as deep dish pizza which has good and bad sides but that's another topic okay And and then when you're developing the menu are you choosing kind of mainstream toppings as well. And yeah. obviously there's a lot of cheese yeah. involved which is yeah. a benefit obviously but you're looking yeah. at pepperoni and yeah. kind of standard toppings as well. Yeah, yeah, I mean we we generally don't uh, don't push it too far with other other toppings. Yep. It's it's 
I don't really think that we have any any particular uh, pizza combination that is unusual for the UK market okay. uh, on on that perspective. Yeah. Uh, but we do we do think a lot about every topping that we are going to to, to include in our menu, and uh, most of the times it it starts as a food that our chefs makes make for themselves and for other team members because. Although you have free food in our restaurant, if you're working there, you're not going to eat like eight pizzas that we have on menu and 11 or it doesn't matter. It re- yeah. depends on what you, if you're vegetarian or you eat everything. Yeah. But if, if you, I mean, if you work with us for two years and many, many people already have two years with us, obviously you're going to start experimenting and making your staff meals different. Yeah. So, so it, it, it generally starts like that. And then we get feedback from all other staff members, which already creates like 15 people uh, that 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 tell us what they feel yep. think and that's how we start then okay. we put it in our menu and we monitor closely uh, and uh, and we then decide what to do okay makes sense um so let's talk about your location then you're obviously prime big site in the middle of soho central yeah. london yeah um tell us about the thinking behind securing that site yeah. and why go so big and so prime I yeah. guess it was back to your story about the, yeah. the waffles as well. Yeah. yeah. Uh, again, speaking with with many people from this industry, um, you know, not not trying to come up with conclusions myself. Uh, we, we we got a lot of uh, feedback that uh, that would tell us to go the best site that we can find. Okay. Um, I, I spoke with. Uh, with, with people from Pizza Pilgrims, with uh, with people from Dishroom, uh, from Pizza Express as well. Uh, so all of them I'm mentioning because I respect them and because they they provided valuable uh, valuable information to me. Mm. So it's only positive words. I think uh, sorry to interrupt. I think yeah. that's a really key point because a lot of people, yeah. I in my experience at least, don't reach out to people. Yeah, that they, they feel and are a bit nervous about reaching yeah. out, especially to competitors, or yeah. direct competitors as yeah. they are now. Yeah. How did you do that practically? Was it through LinkedIn or something? And uh, what was the feedback then yeah. when you did reach out to them? Yeah, I mean, okay, so uh, one, one that I mentioned basically with, for, for Pizza Pilgrims, there was, uh, there was some uh, app or something that organized like dinners with, uh, with the, the people with, from various industries. And then we saw that Tom from Pizza Pilgrims is having dinner with, with people. So me and Giovanna, we bought tickets, met him there. Um, and for people from Dishum and uh, from uh, Pizza Express, uh, it's through London Business School. So, okay. um, founder of Dishum, one of them, he is a part of London Business School's investor program. So he he basically he can invest in in startups that that pitch in at London Business School, which we did, but he didn't invest. Okay. Um, and uh, then Pizza Express the same through through people from London Business School. Okay. Yeah. Okay. But you went and you obviously sought out these people and sought yeah. out the contacts. To, yeah. To yeah. I mean, I, I I never mind uh, asking people for advice, and uh, sure. I know that I'm not the the best person in the world to do this job, and uh, I, I just need to to be the best version that I can be. Sure. And in order to do that, I need to listen to advice of. of successful people okay it was the same in sports i mean i didn't win olympic games but if i didn't have the approach to look 
for improvements, I wouldn't be competing sure. with them. And have so, got an open mind. Yeah, right? exactly, yeah. exactly. They're, it's fine if someone is better, but let's let's see how we can get the best out, out of ourselves. Sure, makes sense. And you're surrounding yourself with people who yeah. do know and have the experience. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So you've taken that advice uh, to get a prime location. Yeah. How did you actually secure such a prime site? Well, uh, that's that's a tough story uh, basically me and Giovanna we reached out to a number of agents and yep. uh, David uh, Tubian who back then worked for Stephen and Matthews he is now independent he has his own uh, company yep. he was basically the only one who wanted to see us um, so uh, you know I I guess when you have two people coming from Serbia and uh, and just shooting out of out of nowhere uh, mm. sending you emails you don't really take care uh, but yeah so david uh, david did did meet with us and he started looking so uh yeah he he found us this this location um also we were a bit lucky uh pizza express uh, at that time they owned uh, firezza which uh, mm. was operating in, uh, in 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 the unit that we uh, bought and uh, yeah, I mean, they, they wanted to go out. Uh, I believe they, they, they were testing a new concept. It didn't work. They didn't want to bother with it anymore. So uh, for some reason, they were, they were quite open to, to uh, getting us in. Later, we found out that their, their uh, results in this unit were quite bad. Okay. Uh, I mean, we received <laughs> their bank statements for, for months. They didn't okay, bother helpful. canceling them. <laughs> yeah, I mean, so, so we, we literally saw how much they were doing. And uh, I understand why Was they wanted to... Was this before you signed the lease or after? Well, uh, uh, both, basically. So okay. be when, we, when we did contract exchange, we had like two months until we, get the, uh, until we open, uh, paid the whole amount and got the keys. And then yep. uh, after we got the keys, there was some renovation period. Okay. But statements that kept arriving for months, literally. Okay. But before you signed a lease, you had some visibility into the failings of another pizza uh, concept? No, no, before, before no, okay. no. I mean, I was told by some people that, uh, that it's a tricky location without Crossrail, um, but okay. we were hoping that Crossrail will open, which didn't happen. Yeah. Uh, but who knows why it's good. Maybe we wouldn't be having deep dish pizza now if, uh, if, uh, if everything went easier at the start. Yeah. So, uh, I'm not. I'm not worried about that. It will open. But I believe that at that, at that stage, uh, it was more like current restaurant Firezza is doing very bad. But yeah. when Crossrail is open, it's going to be fine. So okay. that that was kind of the thinking, and okay. and why we didn't really see it as as a red flag at that time. Okay. And now looking at the location now, and obviously the restaurant's doing very well at the moment. Yeah. Do you put that down to? Because in my mind, yes, you're in the main big category of pizza but you are different enough so you almost become a bit of a destination to a, to a good extent without being niche yeah yeah uh, so you're kind of mainstream destination yeah. if that makes sense yeah. so people will walk a little bit to get to yeah. you yeah yeah so is that yeah. how you see it or absolutely yeah. and i do do believe that we have uh, solid evidence for for believing this way so yeah. we more than 60 percent even 70 percent people on weekend make a booking with us Okay. Uh, uh, so that means that when someone, let's say it's, uh, I don't know, Wednesday morning, when they wake up, they already know that on Wednesday evening, they're going to Japes. Okay. So 
I don't I don't think that we are having significant boost from the from the location itself just because as you mentioned we 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 do we do think that we are destinational in the sense that people see us as a final destination and sure. the reason why they leave their home um so yeah I I I, I am I'm confident that we don't need to to get su- such prime locations uh, in future just because we have a strong customer base and uh, yeah. While we were on open table, we had 94% recommendation rate. It was it was quite good, yeah. and uh, business is growing organically. We don't spend uh, almost any am- uh, amount on marketing, yeah. and uh, we just take that money uh, to to improve products, yeah. and then uh, people appreciate it. So we don't have branded boxes, for example. Uh, that's extra 15 pence that we would rather invest in pizza. Mm. And uh, yeah, I mean, we we feel that that people will come uh, to Japes uh, regardless of where we are. Mm. So uh, th- that's that's a good point. Okay. You know. makes sense. I think it's the ideal positioning, really. Yeah. So your mass market uh, destination, yeah. mass market, yeah. which is like it's perfect, really. Thank you. Um, so then, in terms of the opening process, so obviously your first restaurant yeah. that you've launched yourself yeah. obviously you have people around you who can advise you yeah how was that process i'm sure it was daunting and yeah quite a large-scale project how did you mm. get through that and how did you find it i mean it was it was very stressful to be fair um and that's probably when i worked more more hours than uh, what i work now mm. uh, and when i say that time i mean literally the restaurant renovation and and opening not necessarily the when we started trading Although we did work at, at that time as well, but at that point, it's you already know that you, you did what you could have done to start the business, and now the business is officially starting. But that period before it starts, uh, that it was it was uh, quite hard. Okay. Um, but yeah, I mean, no complaints. Yeah. Uh, it's hard for everyone, and sure. uh, there is reason why not many people decide to go on this journey. Sure. So it's fine the harder it is the less people will do it yeah, yeah. exactly exactly and uh, it might not mean that you're doing the right thing but sure. at, if you decide to do something then don't complain then yeah. at least at least see how it goes okay yeah. and did you like have a full team of designers and contractors and go full yeah. out or did you kind of keep the cost low at that stage well, we did have a full team and we did keep the cost okay. down because the team was from Serbia. Uh, yeah. So although they are they're paid quite well for uh, Serbian standards, they uh, they uh, just it, it's much much uh, cheaper than uh, going through the UK teams. Okay. So yeah, I mean uh, our architects, our interior developers, wow. everything uh, was basically. To, to be honest, it was also safer for for me. It's not like uh, we were only thinking about costs, which obviously is a huge part of it. But also, you know, coming from a country and you know that you have a team that design, designed uh, five out of top ten Serbian restaurants, it, it, it gives credibility, obviously. And uh, I, I met those people earlier through, through, through other jobs that I had. Yeah. Then also there, there is a person who is making uh, interiors for cinemas. So okay. obviously he can make a small restaurant, right? If he's making like cinemas, uh, like in in, in uh, on Balkan area. Yeah. So you know, it, 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 I we had enough confidence that the team is 
fine. They're not like some people that we just found on a street. Mm. Uh, whereas obviously because they are in less developed country, it, it's cost, a lower cost as well. So I, I think that from that perspective, it was win-win. Mm. Uh, although I have to say that uh, it is important to know the ma exact market where you mm. are. So although they did uh, perfect job from perspective of Serbia, mm. we did have a lot of things that should have been done differently in the UK. Okay. For example, our interior, it looked uh, maybe too expensive for the product that we were offering. So although we did want to uh, make premium products from uh, from a first day, uh, we just created this atmosphere that they need necessarily need to be really, really expensive. And then when we set kind of reasonable prices, people would start thinking, well, maybe portions are small, maybe I need to order three of these pancakes mm. or whatever. Mm. So yeah, I, I, I felt I feel like we we didn't have enough experience for the UK, but yeah. overall it wasn't too, okay. too bad. Yeah, but uh, it makes sense. But I've seen that issue on, in London-based like UK designers as well, and yeah. it's quite a common thing to kind of over-design or yeah. over-specify yeah, exactly. design. So. Exactly. I mean, uh, you don't need to to be a magician to see how I don't know Pizza Pilgrims or Honest Burger are yeah. doing it, and they are they're doing very well. So sure. obviously you can you can try to have different variations but for this type of food you don't really need to spend too much okay and on the brand and interior design side did you guys kind of have a vision in your head or did you hand it all over to the designers and let them lead it uh, it, it was it was a mutual work okay. we only had one condition that that is that name uh, must be uh, available for trademark okay so Japes, uh, we, we were able to secure trademark for the UK, for the EU, yep. uh, US and uh, some other markets that we are thinking about. So uh, that, that was the, the only thing that we, we, could, we, we were not ready to let go. It, it okay. had to be free. Okay. Uh, other than that, we were quite open with everything. And at this moment, I, I'm happy that we didn't start with more specific name because it would probably be like waffles or pancakes something. Yeah. Whereas we ended up focusing on pizza. But yeah. I, I feel that name itself is... Uh, you know, it, it goes with with the business. It, it's yeah. not it's not maybe perfect for one location. In a sense, when you are smaller, it's better to be obvious with what you are doing. Yeah. But then, as you grow, I mean, and as people learn, there are many many successful brands where that that don't have a product in their name. So, sure. Sure. I guess time will tell. And again, it's one of those things where you never know what 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 could have or would have happened if it was different. So. Sure. We started with Japes, we, we know it, it, it was working. If, if it had a different name, I don't know what would happen. Sure, sure. And Japes, just to be clear, obviously means kind of like a blag or a joke or yeah, yeah, a, exactly. a jibe. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And I guess that fits in nicely to pizza and the experience, even knowing yeah. your experience is kind of fun and casual and so on. Yeah. So it does fit quite well. Yeah, yeah. I believe so. Yeah. Um, and I know Jovana and yourself, you're very hands-on, even at this stage, now successful restaurant yeah. looking to grow. Yeah. Um, do you split your roles con consciously and structurally at this stage or yeah. or have they changed over time or how does that work between both of you? Yeah, well, now that you're married, obviously it does change. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, I mean, we, we, we do have like unofficial uh, unofficial roles in a sense that we I will be more 
I'll look more maybe into financial points. She she will look more into HR, but that's that's unofficial in the sense that we over overlap most of our decisions. We mm. we speak with each other. Um, just you know, I I feel that she is absolutely equal uh, to me with knowledge, with capabilities, with with, with time that she invests and. Uh, if if I if I'm thinking of something, she's gonna be the first one to find out, and she'll be the first one to give feedback, and vice versa. Mm -hmm. So I just feel that you know, emotions aside, we are in business. We are working as as a team mm -hmm. which, that wants to succeed. We sure. we both see this as as very important factor of our future mm -hmm. and uh, yeah, both have the same vision as well yeah exactly course. exactly I mean we left we left our home country for the same reasons and mm -hmm. we left it together so overall uh, it's more of more working as a team uh, at the moment and uh, thinking through almost every decision mm -hmm. I, I think that if when we grow uh, it, it's probably going to split a bit more in mm. a sense that when you have more units obviously there are more things to consider and you have same amount of time mm. so so maybe we will split uh, our um, positions uh, more clearly okay but at this moment it's just an official split okay makes sense and you mentioned you're quite structured and i know you're quite logically thinking and yeah. like your numbers is why we get on so well as well. <laughs> yeah, I, um, I believe so, as well. absolutely. <laughs> um, but how do you use the data? Because I know you're quite analytical, you yeah. look at the market very closely, which yeah. I think is hugely beneficial and valuable, yeah. Yeah. Uh, and will continue to be as you grow. Yeah. But tell us how you actually go about that process and how you use the data that you find. Well, I mean, okay, so for, for data, basically, the, there are various types of da data. One would be the one that we gather from the restaurant itself. Another is that we can gather from market and from competitors. So what what I like to do, obviously, is uh, I always believe that there is a reason something is happening. It's it's Luck can be a part of it. Obviously, you need to have luck. But, you know, if you don't work hard, if you don't make the right decisions, luck is not going to save you. So I uh, I respect many businesses that are successful. I uh, I take their uh, accounts from a company's house. I see their uh, percentages, what they do with staffing, with food, with everything. And then I then when I see that someone is doing well, then I I visit those restaurants and I look why why this is happening. I I try to go through customer journey. I try to look at at both perspectives of customer and then of, in perspective of owners and managers. Like how how, the, how did they make this happen? And from perspective of restaurant japes, obviously trying to speak with as many people as possible, uh, looking into all the all the comments on on various networks. And just uh, being open to feedback and okay. uh, usually when someone is the first person to report something uh, we, we will just write it down but not not necessarily take any action in a sense if someone comes and says pizza is a bit salty for me obviously we're not going to change all our recipes based on on that one comment but if you can see that something is appearing again and again, then, then yes, we are going to react. And okay. I, I specifically mentioned salty because it did happen. Like me coming from Serbia and working mostly with Serbian chefs, we eat more saltier food. Okay. So when we originally started, we, we did have those comments and then we changed. 
Okay. So uh, yeah, I mean that, that data is important, and again, you can get data from uh, social networks about people's age and uh, gender and everything. But to be fair, I don't really think that at this at this stage we can get too much benefit from that data. Okay. Obviously, when you are bigger, when you have more online sales. Uh, then, then fine when you are paying more marketing for on online and everything at this stage it's more about people who are actually in the restaurant and who who just speak, speak uh, okay. honestly with us okay makes sense and again i think it's the sporting mindset and the sporting approach coming yeah. through as well yeah. the analytical and yeah. constant learning development and yeah. iteration yeah forward yeah. Yeah. yeah makes sense so you're benchmarking obviously against a lot of different operators in the market yeah how then, so if you're taking the learnings and you're kind of mimicking it to an extent or yeah. incorporating it into yeah. your concept to improve, which makes complete sense, how do you then stand out in the market? And obviously the fundamental of the concept is deep dish, so you're naturally yeah. standing out. Yeah. Versus something else you do to kind of make noise in the market? Or, yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's a great question. Uh, to be honest, I didn't really think about that too much just because we, as you mentioned, we have a product that is that is different. So we are a bit uh, in advantage there. I'm not going to say lucky again, because as I mentioned, I don't really believe in luck. Also, someone can open the same restaurant tomorrow. Um, but we, yeah, I mean, we just by the nature of our product, we, we can, and also by the fact that we, we still have one restaurant, which is very, very important fact. It's, it's much easier to pivot in one unit than mm. if you have, if you're Domino's with thousands of units mm. around the world. So, yeah, but then again, you need to be aware of that. So you need to, to appreciate it while you can. And mm. uh, we are just trying to keep our core product uh, in, 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 uh, always intact and as good as we can possibly make it with, with respect to other people's opinion. Yeah. And then, yeah, everything else can be modified or should be modified and uh, we, we are still learning a lot. Okay, makes sense. We also believe that since we are the fastest place in the world to make this type of pizza, mm. uh, that we could work as a QSR. Yeah. I believe that our timing is not uh, slower than five guys. Uh, whenever I go to five guys and when I measure time uh, until I get burger, it's usually between nine and 12 minutes. Okay. Uh, they also give you peanuts. Well, not now with COVID, but usually they give you peanuts. So you don't think about time. And if we can implement something like that, it, it might work. Okay. Uh, and again, only reason why I'm mentioning them is because of huge respect, not nothing else. Sure, sure. Makes complete sense. So QSR, just to be clear, it would be a walk-in counter service yeah. uh, operation, yeah. as opposed to currently you have table service. Yeah, I mean, and the reason for that is costing, I guess, and efficiencies. Well, yes, on, on one hand, um, but there are other reasons which sometimes you don't see it at, at the first thought. But if you if you don't have a table service, uh, I believe it's not not only easier to expand, but it's also easier to focus on on specific thing within the restaurant so if you if you don't have table service people will think more about food itself because service is out of question so mm. you're never going to go to mcdonald's and think if your uh, service was good or not mm. because like you you know there is no service so mm. it's out of equation completely and especially now when uh, when a country is going through a lot of issues with uh, with labor shortages and everything 
it might be a winning concept. Mm. Also, if you look into percentage increases in prices in those restaurants that don't have table service, they are quite close to restaurants that do have table service now. Okay. Um, so average spend per head in Five Guys or Shake Shack or Nando's, it's not necessarily lower than in, in restaurants that have uh, full service. Okay. Makes so sense. yeah, I, I feel that there are there are many pros and cons, but uh, again, it's it's a decision that needs to be approached carefully. Sure. So it, it's not as simple as these last two minutes that I was yeah, speaking yeah. about it, but it's it, it's it's interesting. Yeah, absolutely. And I guess it could be location dependent. So if absolutely. you're in a central city, maybe it could be QSR, uh, absolutely. Yeah. or neighborhood could be yeah. more table service. Absolutely. And you have that flexibility. Yeah. Yeah. So it gives you an extra option essentially. Yeah. Um, in terms of the brand, so obviously standing out in the market, you have the fundamentals right there in terms of the concept and the yeah. offering and your positioning, which is very advantageous, yeah. I think. How have you gone about building that brand? You have 25,000, I think, on Instagram at the moment, yeah. which is very significant, very valuable. <laughs> How has that process happened? Well, uh, Giovanna would be the better person to speak about it, to yeah. be fair. But what I can say is, uh, I believe that we created a win-win situation for uh, for people who are in uh, in in uh, social media and with working with food, in a sense that they also wanted to have new content and different content. Mm. So, you know, if you have, I don't know, just one more burger place, uh, you, you might be working harder to get people from Instagram, like uh, as we say, influencers. To, to come to your place. Whereas with, when Jape started, it was new f to, for everyone, basically. And uh, everyone wanted to have a photo of deep dish pizza and the cheese and everything. Mm. So uh, th that worked quite well. We, mm. I, I don't really think that we ever had to pay for anyone, any of the influencers to come, even for those who are quite popular. Right. Again, I say I don't think because Giovanna would be the better person to, to answer that question. Yeah. But definitely it wasn't too hard at the beginning. And just uh, because it was different and yeah, fresh. Yeah, yeah. I mean it created it created value for them as well. Yeah. Uh, that they can stand out among other food influencers. Mm. So when the first one arrived quickly uh, others started coming as well. Uh, but that also I have to say that uh Yovana is uh, is spending a lot of time uh communicating with with other people regardless of how many followers you have or how many uh, how much influence you have on social media uh, we I, I believe we will all, always respond to any any comment or okay. any anyone who tags us we will respond we just appreciate it okay uh, and does Giovanna do all of the content herself she manages everything yes. okay yes so so i i feel uh that we we really should appreciate every single person who who comes into our restaurant mm. and it's uh you know when you are in soho there is i don't know a thousand restaurants and when someone walks through the door of japes it means that they made a decision like not, let's not go to other 999 let's go to this one yeah. and then you know if 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 they if they had a great experience and they are very happy, then it's great for you. Uh, but if they didn't have a good experience, you, you you need to do your best to to make it up for them because they decided to choose us and they decided to spend their money with us. Yeah. So we we always approach uh, every single person that that they are our friend and that they are someone who who 
came to support us. Yeah. And it goes same on social media. So okay. I, I think people appreciate it. The authenticity, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Uh, you mentioned the cheese. Obviously, it's a very important factor in the yes. Instagrammability, if that's yeah. the word. Yeah. Um, do you develop your product with that in mind, like getting the right level of stringiness, <laughs> or is that a key to, factor? Or not no, so much? to be fair, we didn't okay. we didn't consider it too much. Um, the only the only thing that we were considering basically with cheese is what is the right amount to put because yes on one hand you you do want to have as much cheese as possible uh it's it it creates wow factor it it's great for for deep dish pizza but then on the other hand you also want to have nice nice experience with food mm. and you want to feel good after you you leave the restaurant so if you if you put like double amount of cheese <coughs> people might be happier for the instagram photo yeah. but then they're they're going to feel tired for the rest of the day so sure. it, it's more a balancing act to be fair yeah. but it focuses primarily on food and then instagram just happened to to work well with this amount but it, it's it's more from people's okay. perspective fair yeah. enough so how's the restaurant doing now how have you kind of come out of COVID? how are you coming out of COVID at this yeah. stage uh, so to be honest, we didn't have too many issues uh, with with COVID uh, because uh, people from Pizza Pilgrims developed food kits uh, mm. that they are sending nationwide, and it's a great concept and uh, helped many many restaurants. Mm. And we should all be grateful for them for creating something so interesting. Mm. So we we were also able to create our own food kits and to send them by DHL nationwide. We still send them, okay. to be honest. Uh, it's creating extra extra sales, although not at the level uh, obviously that that was during COVID. So uh, that part went well, and then uh, so that kept you going during yeah, COVID. Yeah, kept us going. your costs. Yeah, yeah, almost all of them. Obviously, okay. I mean, government helped with uh, with the furlough. Yeah. So with those food kits, it was mostly me and Joanna basically working. Okay, and just I mean, we didn't really feel need to get too much help we did have help from time to time yeah um, but yeah I mean government helped with, with that uh, business rates obviously uh, relief was great furlough was great so overall again I am I'm speaking as someone who know who has experience at my home country uh, Serbia didn't have enough money uh, it's not about if you want to or not you just don't have money mm. so my friends who have restaurants in other places they they were uh, they, they had much more issues. So mm. me complaining it wouldn't really be fair. Uh, sure. We can speak about could the, could the government do more or less, but to be fair, we shouldn't complain. Mm. Uh, but yeah, I mean, um, after that, uh, we we had uh, we had we were positively surprised how quickly people people returned. And uh, again, it's yet to be proven. Is it because we are a single unit? If we had ten Japes restaurants, maybe. It wouldn't be on per restaurant basis. It wouldn't be so great. Mm. But for us, uh, we we started trading well immediately. Um, and when I say trading well, I don't mean taking into account like VIT relief or or anything like that. We literally had more covers than we had before, okay. uh, and we had higher spend per head in in gross terms. So VIT included uh, as well in uh, more more than before. So putting putting all the benefits aside we, we grew as it's well very positive very yeah. positive uh, and have you noticed and obviously there's a big bounce back as you say but have you noticed any other changes in the market or 
consumers' habits, like obviously deliveries yeah. were huge during COVID. Has yeah. that continued in the market do you see or have you noticed any other changes at all? Well, I mean, the one that I, I had a feeling uh, was happening is uh, we felt that people are a bit more nervous when, uh, okay. when, they, uh, when they started coming back. So nervous in, in terms of well, meeting with or with people or well, I mean, n- n- nervous in general, but it's uh, it's very hard. I mean, I'm not a psychologist. I don't know why, uh, mm. but you can just see that someone doesn't feel as comfortable as before. So was it the fact <laughs> that they just got uh, used to being alone or was it the fact that they don't feel safe in general? I don't really know, um, but I did f- have a feeling that people are more nervous. Than so it's kind of like an anxiety, yeah, social anxiety. Yeah, yeah, okay. exactly. Yeah. Uh, but then I, I don't know the reasons and I'm, I don't have any particular cases. It's like us at Jace, we never had to call police or anything. Like we are just not that type of place. Mm. I'm just saying in general, like you can see that people are not as, as comfortable as before. Sure. Um, but other than that, I mean, uh, not, not, not so many changes. Okay. Uh, yeah. okay, makes sense. And in terms of uh, staffing, obviously yeah. big issue in the industry at the moment. Yeah. Um, you obviously mentioned anxiety and nervousness for consumers, yeah. but surely it's impacting staff as well after being furloughed for yeah. a year, essentially, um, or yeah. longer even. Yeah. Um, how has that been for you, I guess, during COVID and coming out of COVID? And how is it now? Uh, well, to be honest, it's uh, quite tough. Yeah. Quite tough. Uh, there is no no ad- other words or no easy way to put it. It's tough. Yeah. So you you end up in a situation where people who decided to stay uh, they they are almost victims of new employees in a sense that new employees are just. Uh, and now I'm speaking in general terms. We, we we had some amazing people who came. We had some not so amazing people who came. But in general terms, uh, it's not as good as it was before. It's different type of people uh, in a sense that before there were people who are willing, who know what this industry is and they want to work in this industry. Now it's more about people who come to work for on their first job and then it's not something that they liked. Sure. And then. For some reason, I think people stopped respecting notice periods at all. They just feel like they're doing you a favor, mm. which I mean, it's 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 a re- business relation. We, it's it, it works both ways, right? Mm. But I mean, we as a company, we would always respect notice periods, so mm. maybe you should as well. Mm. So, I personally, I I feel a bit sorry that that staff who is here for longer time now needs to go through all of this as mm. well. For us as entrepreneurs, I mean, it's fine. It's just one of new challenges. Mm. Like one year it's this, another year it's that. Mm. You just go through it. But for people who who work very hard uh, and get salary for it, it's it's hard because the team is not as good as it was before. Sure. So we'll see how it goes. Okay. And what kind of initiatives or solutions are, are you working on for that? Is it more kind of internal in terms of culture and pay and conditions yeah. and so on? Or Yeah, well, uh, it is. I mean, yeah. uh, the, the salaries went generally up. Okay. Um, to, to be honest, our conditions were, were quite good uh, even before. Uh, there is no like super late work in, in, in the restaurant. It's not like a bar or nightclub. 
people have enough time to rest. Um, I mean, it's uh, it, it's not it, it, it's not one of the worst places to be in in our industry. There are tougher places. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I mean, sal salaries had to increase, and both me and Giovanna, I mean, we are there more or less every day. Uh, we were there almost every day before COVID as well, so that didn't change. But the fact that new people can uh, speak directly with owners and everything. Uh, sure. I think it's it's good for them. Although okay. it's not necessarily good for the team itself because it kind of ruins the, the structure and uh, they maybe respect managers a bit less if they can just go straight to sure. the owner. Sure. But that's some of the things that we are working on. Sure, I'm sure there's no there's more pros than cons. I think for that, more I, I, I believe so as yeah. well. I mean, if if I if I was employed by another place, obviously I would I would like to have sure. uh, direct <coughs> access to to everyone and. Uh, Especially with me and Giovanna, we are really trying to listen to all feedback from everyone, regardless of is it guest or employee or pe person walking by. Uh, we, we just that that's the type of people we are. Sure. So for new employees, whatever they feel, they can always tell us. Okay. Uh, but yeah, that doesn't change the fact that uh, industry is in crisis now sure, with sure. stuff. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. But again, your QSO model, it's, it's yeah, really that, that, beneficial in that yeah, respect. Yeah, I, I, I believe so. Yeah. I believe that it has uh, it's easier not only to operate, but also to franchise. And there, there yeah. are many, many good things that, that we will hopefully find out. Okay, very good. So you mentioned franchising as an obviously potential growth option. Yeah. Uh, what does the future hold? What, what are you thinking in terms of growth, like number of sites per year and kind of end goal or, or vision? Yeah, <laughs> that's, that's, a, that's a very good but very hard question to answer. Yeah. I, uh, I, I, I believe in franchising because uh, it, it can create huge growth. Mm. Uh, if, if business model is good, if return on investment for for franchisees is good, uh, word will quickly spread out, spread out. Um, also, obviously, selling master franchises to other countries, it would be great. Uh, so I I do believe that it's a good good model. I I think it's it's very clear that those those companies are the biggest ones in our industry. Um, but I'm um, speaking about exact number of sites. It's uh, it's very hard thing to do, especially when when COVID basically postponed our second site opening and everything. So I'm already wrong there. Uh, I believe that we need to open three or four uh, units before we can start franchising. So we are now working on that on that um, and uh, yeah, I mean on that plan. But I, I'm just thinking like what what should I mention or not but basically it's it while this lease moratorium is in place it, it's a bit hard to get new locations so yeah. that's the feedback that we got from all agents um, there aren't too many locations coming by and also for those who that do the landlords usually want bigger chains which is absolutely understandable if I could sure. have Starbucks in my unit I would do the same right so so it's not great timing for someone who has one one restaurant but we are we are working towards that goal, and uh, when we when we prove that Japes is not successful because of Dean Street, yeah. where that 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 it can work in other areas as well, then then we'll be ready to franchise. Okay. So I think it's more about proving the concept itself than yeah. about further optimization. Okay. Makes sense. So it's one step at a time, yeah. very consciously and structurally. Yeah. Okay. Um, and in terms of uh, growth, in terms of locations, so obviously you're. London, central London at the moment, yep. and potentially second, third site in London yep. as well, I guess. 
Absolutely. Where do you see yourself going from there? Is it kind of UK and then slowly, slowly into Europe or? Yeah, well, yeah. I mean, that, that, that is the, the plan. Okay. Uh, although it's not like uh, if someone approached us from the US and said, uh, I don't know, after we open 10 restaurants in UK and then they approach us and say, if you would like to franchise, obviously we would look into it. So it's not, it's not set in stone, but yeah, we, we definitely, I mean, it would be very, very strange opening in other locations before making sure that it works in the UK. Sure. Uh, so that's, that's absolutely priority. Okay. Makes sense. Final question. Uh, I always ask if you had one piece of advice for somebody, maybe they're in London business school or <laughs> studying or just want to start their own venture. So looking back now and your learnings, um, and getting to this successful period that you're at, is there one or maybe two things that you focused on in particular at those early stages that really helped you get to where you are? Hmm. I'm sure there's multiple. Yeah, but. yeah. I mean, it's it, it's very important question and and, yeah. and 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 very important piece of advice for for other people. Um, <coughs> I, I definitely believe that that you need to work hard that's that's clear um, yeah. i i feel that that people are creating too many excuses and they take excuses uh, easily in a sense that it's it's very normal to, to to create excuses nowadays as someone who is coming from uh, from country that was that is much much less lucky than uk and people work harder um i i feel that if you decide to do something you should uh, stick to it and you should do your best and then if it doesn't work uh, at least you can look at yourself in the mirror and you can say well i did my best sure. maybe someone else could have done it but for me it was it, it, it wasn't the case let's move on and let's see what's the next adventure so have your have your goals clear work hard towards them and uh, be aware of uh, all the things that are happening if you can improve improve if it doesn't work it doesn't work but never uh, give up easily and uh, try try to be a better version of yourself every day sure great uh, great um, advice and again the athlete mindset as well is Thank very you. important Absolutely. fantastic well i think you're set up for massive success alex and i think you've thank done you. phenomenally well so Thanks, best luck in the future. Thanks. All Thanks. Right. All great. the best. Thanks Thank very much. You.